Hello, and welcome to the One Stop Co-op Shop Podcast, your one stop for co-op news and reviews. This week, Jason Perez is here to entertain you with some more shelf stories. Yo, my peoples, what's up? Welcome to Shelf Stories, the channel that tells tales from games, books, and life. And also, welcome to the One Stop Co-op Shop Podcast. I am your host, Jason. Thank you so much for stopping by. This one is a listener suggestion special. So on the One Stop Co-op Shop, we mostly talk about board games. If you're on the video show, you'll see all the board games that are behind me. We love our tabletop here on the One Stop Co-op Shop. Uh, but uh, I have started to branch out a little bit. I did talk a little bit of D&D on a previous episode, a Dungeons & Dragons role-playing. Uh, cooperation to me, <laughs> you, know, you can't do these games without cooperation. Uh, and, you know, I got some pretty positive feedback. They said, okay, I'd love to hear a, a bit more about what else is out there. So um, a derivation, oh, not a derivation, but like a, uh, a cousin, let's say a close cousin, uh, to uh, role-playing on the table is live-action role-playing or a LARP. And so what I wanted to do in order to introduce people to LARP is to go for the awesomest, the dopest. I, I don't want to just go don't go to your local you know, place. Not, no shade against them. Uh, but like if you really want to just you know, know what this is all about, go to the absolute uh, best, most immersive experience. And that's what I have done. I've got uh, contacted two gentlemen who are doing a really amazing uh, LARP experience. And we're going to get into all that. Uh, and also we'll talk about kind of, um, you know, developing it and how, you know, the, the little bit of cross-pollination can go in terms of making all of our gaming lives richer. So let me go ahead and introduce these two gentlemen. Uh, they are from the sweltering land of Boston, Massachusetts, here as we've recorded August. Uh, Garrett and Ken in charge of the Saturnalia Project. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you for having us. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so uh, we got introduced by Ajit from um, uh, who who wrote the the indie supplement. Then he, I think he's attending uh, with yes. his wife, uh, and he's like, "You have to. <laughs> this is dope. You got to do this." Uh, so let's just start from the very very beginning. Uh, I'll start with Garrett, who is on on the bottom uh, as I record this. Uh, please introduce yourself uh, and talk about how you, uh, you know, talk about LARPs in your life uh, and your experience with it. Sure. Uh, yeah. So my name is Garrett Kupchinski. Uh, I'm the lead designer uh, for many of our projects. Uh, for this particular project, I'm co-leading with uh, Johanna Peterson. Um, he's a designer in Finland. And uh, I work very closely um, with Ken and, and Tyler and Chris Eaton, uh, who are all you know involved in this project. And uh, LARPs, you know, for me, it's probably the best hobby that I think many people don't know that they have tried yet. Um, I think it's a really wonderful way to meet people, learn things about yourself, learn things about other people. Um, you know, and LARPs have played a major part of my life. I, I would say that it's, um, it's, it's absolutely pivotal. And uh, I, I want to share that passion with other people. I mean, that's, that's something that I want to try and bring more into the world. And that's, mm -hmm. you know, why we started Reverie and uh, why we continue working on these like really kind of, you know, really wild projects that I'm excited about. And I'm happy to share a little bit more about, you know, LARP and my history and Saturnalia. Mm -hmm. That's what this <laughs> but, is all about. We're trying yeah. to evangelize here. You know, this yeah. is a this is a little bit of a one on one conversation because it's a brand new audience. Uh, once again, uh, there are people who have contacted me and they want to know more. So I'm trying to uh, do the best I can over here. So we are absolutely in the evangelizing space. But before we get to the full throat evangelizing, let's go ahead and introduce my man Ken over here. Uh, same question. Talk about yourself and uh, LARPs in your life. 
Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Ken Pickering, uh, he, him, and I, uh, you know, I'm one of the other co-founders of Reverie. I, I'm more involved on, on world building uh, and operations and the operations side of the LARP itself. Um, I love designing, love working on all that. I just, uh, I tend I tend to focus more on like, like the logistics of the event and how we make everything happen. Yep. So um, yeah, I mean, I think, I've, I, I think, I mean, I, LARP for me gets its start in just kind of being an imaginative person or like, you know, I'd say like being an imaginative kid, having an imaginary friend and, and, you know, and, 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 and participating in imaginary play. And I think somewhere along the line, we, we lose sight of that kind of intrinsic, uh, intrinsic imagination that we were all, I think, sort of, sort of born with. And, and so I think like things like tabletop gaming, but I also think like for me, LARP uh, is a huge part of that. I've, I've been, I loved theater. Uh, I did theater for a long time, and so like being a different character was always a lot of fun to me. And um, so, I, you know, I, I started participating. In LARPs really loved them. Uh, started writing them uh, and and helping produce them. And and so, yeah, I mean, it it um, you know, I think it's it's a great outlet to to be somebody else for for a weekend or an evening or something like that. It's actually it's very freeing for me. It's a, it's a great stress relief to just I think step outside yourself for an evening or or a little bit. Um, and, 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 and have fun with that, have fun kind of pretending to be somebody else for a while. So mm -hmm. I love it. Uh, and I, and I, you know, and I think, um, I love, uh, creating stories with other people. So cooperative storytelling is a huge, uh, I love, you know, whether it's around a table or, or at a LARP, it's, you know, it's one of the things I really enjoy doing the most. So uh, I heard a friend of mine refer to it as full body role-playing, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, you, sure. you know, in terms of like the, you know, you, you, I, I mean, of course, you can get into like, you know, amateur theater and, you know, a little bit more of a, uh, uh, I mean, I don't want to get into like the denigrating thing, but the idea being that, I mean, this is something that you, you take on the role and you do it, you know, I yeah. think in like re in re regular role playing games, like we kind of split. Right. And sometimes if you get into the wrong groups, it's just like, you know, a bunch of dice rolling and, you know, like mechanical resolution. Right. And so uh, they F the idea of a LARP is to kind of like, okay, we're going the other way here. We're, we're going, uh, we are, we're not just ending the story when the boss dies, you know, we're not just ending the story when we you know, roll initiative or whatever it is. Like, I mean, every single thing in a LARP is, you know, on your feet, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, very, uh, you know, obviously it's written, you know, uh, both with, uh, it talked about, you know, kind of going through along written stories, but like within that structure, there's a whole yeah. lot of room uh, to play. So speaking of the structure, the reason I wanted to invite you gentlemen on, you have an amazing structure that is being developed uh, called Saturnalia. Uh, as you mentioned at the end of our show, we did, and I looked it up and I'm like, wow, I wish I was 10 years younger. I had no kids. I would be there in a heartbeat. <laughs> yeah. uh, so uh, from the logistics side, can uh, tell us a little bit about uh, Saturnalia? Yeah. Um, so this is, I mean, this we've been producing lives with the, under the Reverie banner since 2016, um, but, but I would say Saturnalia is our most ambitious to date. Uh, and that largely has to do with the breadth of the experience. So uh, we, we, we're working with uh, an intellectual property, so uh, the V5 uh, Material Vampire Fifth Edition uh, tabletop game. Um, uh, it's owned by Paradox in, in Sweden. Um, we got pitched by By Night Studios, who's one of the U.S. publishers behind it, to help them produce a LARP. They were getting into Nordic design and collaborative, collaborative LARPing, and so they 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 brought us in to say like, well, let's do something. And so. Um, one of the major things when we first, like I'd say, stumbled on the project was like, all right, well, where can people be vampires? Like where where in the United States can people be vampires and it'd be very cool? And we're like, well, like New Orleans is probably, I think, the city I think the most of. And, and I think it's a, a city where actually people can walk around as vampires and it not be like mm. a big deal, which is a huge 
uh, criteria right, for right, producing yeah. something like this, right? Like, you but then have you know other areas like Cape Cod or something. Uh, you know, yeah. there's other they have like you know traditions of ghost walks and like there's a lot of that kind of stuff. But like in terms of the actual like get ups and the vampirism and you know you're gonna get the least likely place to get stared at and stopped by authorities. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And 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 you know and uh, working with venues like sometimes it's very difficult to explain. Like what we are, what we're doing. There's going to be a bunch of people dressed like vampires there. New Orleans is like, no, nah, that's cool. That's great. Yeah. Like vampires sounds good. <laughs> sounds good. Uh, but yeah, and so, um, but I mean that that's been a lot. A lot of it is is really trying to bring in New Orleans into the experience because I think that's one of the aspects. Is that's like the set design is the French Quarter, like the modern French Quarter, and you know we booked all these venues around the city, but. But for us, it's really doing a very cool vampire experience that brings the city itself and, and the city's history and culture into it. So. so then you're actually using the city as yeah. the yeah. set piece. It's not just like going into a room and imagining it. Like, you know, I've seen some really cool LARP where you, you know, they dress up the room and there's like a, a whole complex and there's different rooms with different areas. Like, you know, you get murder mysteries or, you know, clue type things. That's all, all sorts of things you could do. You using the city. That's amazing. And like, yeah. you know, the French Quarter, if anyone's ever been to the French Quarter, you know, with Berber Street and all that kind of stuff, it's, you know, a lot of that stuff just kind of sells itself, especially at night. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. one of the things we're doing is we're bringing a second line in, right? So we're walking through the French Quarter, doing the traditional second line in New Orleans. What is uh, what the second line is? Uh, it's So it's the traditional like jazz funeral funeral mm. procession. Um, uh, you know, where they do it from weddings, they do it for a bunch of different kind of celebratory events. But um but yeah, so it's like a brass band, like walking through the streets of the city, the police will shut down the intersection. So you can kind of move on mass through the city itself. So, yeah. And you were the writer or one of the uh, writers, Garrett? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, there were a lot of writers, Ken, mm. uh, you know, Chris, many, many people contributed. We hired um, some writers as well. And, uh, you know, the writing project was unique for how we've approached uh, LARP projects. You know, normally, you know, not to get too much into the details, but we'd have a more involved process. Um, there would be a survey, you know, casting survey for people who are interested in the LARP. And then we'd go back and forth and kind of craft a character that's uh, really fit for them, uh, giving them a full story, connections mm -hmm. to other characters, like all that kind of stuff. And um, that's a heavy lift uh, for, you know, especially even a LARP of like, let's say 40 to 60 people. Um, that's a, it's a fairly large project You're talking like five to seven pages of material per person. Um, with this one, what we did instead was we built this uh, very interesting uh, system that lets you kind of choose your own adventure mm -hmm. uh, where you're developing your character down a tree of um, different choices. Uh, so really you craft the character for yourself in the end and the writers were providing a lot of material. Um, that gave that, you know, seed or sort of, um, you know, aspect that you could, you know, layer your details on. Um, so yeah, the writing project is a little, little different. Um, and we also wanted, you know, folks to feel a little more freedom in terms of how they approach things. Right. Uh, so uh, talk about that, that balance, right, in terms of freedom and you know, a little bit of guardrails. So like, you know, when I talk to people about this and I asked them, I said I was going to do a LARP. It's like, okay, there's one of the things I want to know. It's like, you know, what are the guardrails of a LARP? Is it just, you know, improv basically? Mm -hmm. Or are, are is there a book? Is there, you know, a bad guy? Is there a plot? Is there a, a, a climax and all that kind of thing? Uh, so like, where is, uh, you know, what is the state of the freedom and what is the state of the structure and how do those two interrelate in, you know, a, a LARP like you're doing? Sure. Well, so, yeah, there's so many different kinds of LARPs, you know, and I think in America, you know, we're usually more accustomed to like one of two or three primary schools. 
um, and say like, you know, you've got the boffer style and the people who, you know, would use like a foam sword and then, you know, mm -hmm. kind of fight battles out. And that, that would be like the most, you know, uh, common reference point for, I think the average person for what LARP is. Um, you have uh, Mind's Eye Society or sort of what's now called Modern Enigma Society, uh, which is uh, troop style, um, you know, parlor style LARPs mm. uh, where conflict is resolved like rock, paper, scissors, and you have like a storyteller and they tell stories. Um, there's like an emerging style called uh, American Freeform. Um, but what we practice is Nordic. And, you know, that's what we set out to do is to try and make Nordic style LARP. Um, we're, not, we're not, you know, European, so we're, you know, not accustomed to it except by osmosis. And we, you know, just try to pick up the lessons that we've learned. Mm -hmm. um, but the sort of primary tenets of it is that, you know, you're largely empowered to be a storyteller, right? Um, there are rules of engagement, and those are taught in workshops, and people learn, you know, consent and calibration. Uh, they learn the mechanics. Everybody works together, and they learn things like how to yes and one another, how to improv, how to, like, inhabit your character physically. Mm. Um, and a lot of those lessons are learned together, you know, in these workshops, and it's, and it's a major part of how, you know, especially Nordic LARPs uh, operate. Um, with our LARP, you know, there's no central storyteller. There's, um, you know, a, we'll, we'll sort of like draw a box around what the experience is and say, this is what it is. Um, you're all empowered, empowered. We, you know, we're transparent about, you know, what we, the staff can do for you. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's no, you know, person behind the curtain. There's no, you know, hidden meta plot, you know, you don't come to us for any secret information or anything. And what we say is like, whatever ideas you have, um, we want you to feel empowered to bring those stories in. You know, so if you're a natural storyteller, that's great. If you're not, um, you also work with other people to, to tell stories, you know, and, and agree with the stories that you're interested in, follow those threads. Um, but it's a, it's a kind of, you know, different style than I think particular Americans are used to. But um, the aim is to, you know, really lift up people um, and allow them to, you know, inhabit the stories that are of interest to them. Um, and I know, Ken, you probably have some thoughts to, to add to that as well. Sure. Yeah, um, I think I, I mean it, it, our, 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 we like to make a sandbox, right? Like we set up like these are the themes of Saturnalia. Here's the location and the venues. There is a ritual called Saturnalia, so here are generally the timings. But like, it's up to the players as to how they inhabit it, and and you know like what they want to make the event. We'll hire performers and and musicians and stuff to actually play at the venue, but it's them really creating the story themselves. I think mm -hmm. one of the most important distinctions of Nordic LARP that, that I like is that it it forces it, it almost forces people to work together because like, for instance, you can't remove someone else's player agency. Like you can't just go to another character and be like, I kill your character. Like nobody can die without their consent in these games. Like it, that's just, it's the way it works. So you can negotiate a scene and if they're interested in it, they sure, let's, let's, let's do that. And if they're not, they, they can walk away. It's not part of their story this evening but i think mm -hmm. like like forcing people to actually or i would say like encouraging not forcing encouraging people to actually like make collaborative stories and actually generate great content with each other you get really unexpected and and i think really uh really outstanding results you know i think one of the most boring things you can do when telling a story is just is is like is something like oh your character's dead now it's like no like that's that's exceptionally boring for everybody right it's boring for the person that died it's boring for the person that that did that it's like no like maybe we get into a fight and we yell at each other and maybe i think about my revenge for a while and i come back in act three and you know we have a big blood argument or something but it's like encouraging those style mechanics of like it's it's not about rules and enforcing rules on other people but it's actually collaboratively coming up with a great great plot line that everybody is is into 
you know, there's a, there's a statement, it's play to lose, right? Like when you're there, you want to play that your character gives something up because that makes great story for you and for the other person. So you're not really looking to be the best, most powerful character. In fact, like the people that have the most fun are the people that actually probably, I'd say lose, lose the most throughout the, the process and have the emotional connection to that. So, yeah. Yeah. So I can, t- that, that brings me to uh, that cross pollination I was talking about, cause we're, you know, we're, our, our channel is about cooperative gaming. Right. Our okay. about, you know, yeah. that's 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 our like um, reason for being. And like so we're very interested in how one makes brings about cooperation because like uh, a a a pedfall in our uh, side of things is what we call the alpha player. Mm-hmm. Right. The alpha player is the person who sees all the things and knows everything. And, you know, it's like, OK, and they start to boss around. Right. So like you do this and you do this. This is obviously the best move. This is obviously where, you know, whatever we're going on. And so it's like that's a constant bugaboo for us of like, how do we like not do that? <laughs> and so it's like um, talk a little bit about like how me- mechanism wise, norm wise, uh, uh, you mentioned a little bit, but kind of go into a little bit of uh, a more depth. So is it like restrictions? It's like, okay, there's a bunch of things that you, you just don't do, or are there specific mechanism things that happen within the LARP that you teach? And it's like, okay, the, these are the mechanisms to encourage cooperation. So maybe talk a little bit about that. Yeah, sure. So for Saturnalia, which I'll, I'll use as the primary example, because that's, you know, the thing we're probably most interested in talking about. Um you know, we, we're working on workshops right now with uh, a designer named Lizzie Stark, and uh, she's great. You know, she's uh, written a lot of different stuff uh, with Jason Morningstar and, um, you know, other game designers. And um, she's she's really got an eye on a lot of the, you know, kind of core elements that I think make up a really collaborative, strong one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the workshops, you know, we're, we're going to review them and rehash them. So a lot of things may change. I was trying to like, you know, get into the like, wait, we don't know what's in there yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we intend uh, is to teach people things like uh, for, for consent and calibration, you know, what you want is people to trust each other, right? You want to give them uh, the ability to opt out of things that are not for them uh, and to also be prepared ahead of time for things so that they don't feel like they're, they've been surprised. Um, you know, so for instance, we have a, a, an ironclad rule in our LARPs um, that you cannot touch anybody without any consent, especially from behind, right? You can telegraph, we, we sort of established like, we'll call it like business standard, right? Where, you know, offering to shake a hand or something, anything you would, you would have in an office that is considered, you know, normed. Um, that, that's kind of like how we want people to approach it, right? And they can sort of calibrate into other things. We'd say, you know, are you comfortable with like a hug, right? Those kinds of things, you know, to build up like trust. Um, but what we don't want is, you know, somebody being surprised. So for instance, it can never come up from someone, you know, from behind, even if you really know them and they're like, you know, your, your best friend, your brother, you know, we don't want, um, someone to feel like they, they don't know who's coming up. Right. Cause that, that consent, especially from behind, you can't give it. Um, so those are the baselines, right. We'd say like something like that. Okay. We want people to have like a baseline for trust. And then we want to build up the safety from there. And then we want to engage on, okay, so you want to have a conflict, right? How do you do that? Uh, For this particular event, um, we have two sort of mechanics, right? One of them is uh, the really, really mechanic, um, which is uh, developed by a designer named Bjarke Peterson. And it's uh, it's a way of introducing a sort of yes-and statement, Mm -hmm. right? And it's, uh, it's based on vampire disciplines, which are the sort of powers that vampires have. And it's something like, you really, really want to give me what's in your hand. 
Mm. Right. And the goal is that it would be slipped into an actual conversation. Right. So we're talking and we're like, I, you know, I really think that, you know, the thing you have in your head, I think you really, really want to give it to me. Um, and the other person who hears the really, really, and they know that something just occurred and then they can decide whether it affects them or not. And whatever reason they choose, it's totally fine. They're like, yes, that sounds like a great story. I will give you what's, but you know, what I'm holding, mm -hmm. um, but it's their choice. Uh, and then consent is still at the baseline, you know, and the cooperation and the yes and is all still kind of built in for, you know, how you're going to navigate this. Mm -hmm. um, and then for conflicts, you know, we, we always aim for like negotiated conflicts, right? So some people are totally comfortable, um, you know, with some, some preamble uh, getting into, you know, a wrestling match, for instance, right? And they're like, yeah, you know, I sure, you know, you can, you can grab me by the shoulders and shake me around, you know. And, and you can establish that ahead of time as sort of a, a negotiated conflict discussion uh, and make sure that both people have said, yeah, I'm comfortable with this. I'm okay with this outcome. Uh, and then you can have a cool scene, right? Because for, for the onlooker, like most people just see like a fight <laughs> and it looks like a fight. It feels like a fight, but right. it's actually not, right? It's been negotiated. Everybody's said, you know, this is their boundary. Uh, and then we're also introducing this, um, this token mechanic, uh, which is intended to you know, get people to want to lose, right? Because mm. a losing is as often like if you're getting into a conflict of like, well, I don't want to be a loser. Why would I want to be a loser? Um, well, people can offer you a token and it's, it's during workshops, people will like customize them and, you know, write on them, give them a signature. They're a prize, right? And you get one or a couple. Uh, and the thing is like, if somebody offers you a token, they're saying, I would like you to lose this, this whatever this conflict is going to be. You still determine mm. how you lose, right? But you get a token at the end and the goal is to have a trophy, some memory that you come, come away with uh, so that the conflict was memorable for everyone. And that's how it should be. I think any conflict should have, you know, a, a, a stakes. They should have like a, you know, something where it mattered, not just happening because. Mm -hmm. um, so we're really trying to like build these conflict mechanics and these sort of interaction mechanics around stories uh, and, you know, really kind of like getting people to leap onto trains that are passing by and say, that looks like a good story. I'll go that mm -hmm. way, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's, yeah. that's a basis for what we do. And so it's like the, the way that a LARP handles cooperation has a lot to do with losing and storytelling. And yeah. it's like, okay, uh, you know, where in a board game, it's like, okay, zero sum, you got to win, and, you know, like losing yeah. more sucks in the board game. But like yep. uh, in terms of the, the, the kind of storytelling, and this is where the cross-pollination happens, there's a lot of storytelling, you know, uh, different types of games. Uh, yeah. and, and it should be that more regular role plays have baked that in, you know, it doesn't have to just be uh, killing the, the, the whatever. Uh, but like, that's an essential part of getting people to buy in. It's like, okay, losing is okay. As a matter of fact, there's yeah. almost like a, uh, think of it like a fail forward, right? Yeah. Is, is that a good way to think about it? Like a fail forward me mechanism? It yeah. is. Yeah. It is. And, you know, it, and when you mentioned like the alpha gamer thing before, like those people are not fun to play with realistically a lot of times. And it's sort of a self-selecting ecosystem where the people that come in like that tend to have a worse time because their behavior isn't being picked up by the other people right and and some of the some of the largest power gamers have actually turned into some of the best larpers because they understand they're like oh like this is how i actually have a good time right and their competitive instincts actually kind of flip to like all right i'm gonna i'm gonna lose the most at this experience right and then it turns into uh sort of a positive the impact the game. exactly yeah exactly <laughs> i'm gonna keep on i'm gonna just 
fail as hard as I can uh, in this direction. And so, so I, I find that these kinds of mechanics do tend to kind of cultivate the behavior, like a positive behavior that you're getting out of people because like communities are pretty good about doing that. I would say if you give them the tools and framework and ability to kind of, to kind of self-select and navigate that. So mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you very much for that insight. I totally unexpected in terms of what the, the interview was, but I had to pursue it because designers, everybody out there, fail forward, people. Uh, let's let go of winning. It's not that big a deal. <laughs> I'm getting the <laughs> thumbs up from Garrett over there. Uh, so uh, I am a. So I'm going to take a little bit of a turn. Uh, this is yeah. another reason why I wanted to have uh, you gentlemen on the discussion was the history of it. This this yeah. LARP is soaked in New Orleans history, right? Uh, and so talk a little bit about the integration. I'm interested, uh, and because I struggle with this in terms of my own storytelling and my own, like I, when I run games and everything, like I know so much history and I'm so excited about it. How do I not turn this into just Jason talks about history? <laughs> you know, because yeah. I'm excited doesn't mean that everybody else that, that's with me is excited. So I uh, talk about the historical, the process of historical researching and then gamifying it so that it's fun. I'll go to uh, Garrett. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so we're, we're not from New Orleans, um, so we don't know that, uh, you know, history, we don't know that culture. Um, one of our aims, you know, is, especially this being the South and especially this, you know, being a place with a lot of people who have been taken advantage of, you know, people of color, mm-hmm. indigenous peoples, you know, just not, not the best history down there. <laughs> And, and it's really America, a lot of n- nowhere, but, <laughs> but what we yeah. you're in Boston, do, no way. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. No, but, but yeah. it was something that we really wanted to, to emphasize is that we don't know this, you know, and, and that meant that we needed consultants and where we started was going to an organization called LARPing uh, in color. And we said, this is what we're looking for. We need somebody with, with historical knowledge. Um, you know, we're, we're looking to really understand, you know, some of these things that we just don't, we have a blind side on. And, uh, you know, we looked for a consultant. Uh, we got a wonderful one named uh, Soraya McDaniel. Uh, and they're also one of the writers. So they, they did dual, dual jobs there in terms of being our consultants, you know, on many things, but also, you know, doing some of the writing for the event. It's just storytelling um, by a different uh, color. It's all storytelling. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's what we wanted. You know, we needed, we needed that perspective. It's, um, I mean, one of our co-designers is from Finland. He doesn't know anything about New Orleans, you know, <laughs> except what he's read and, uh, he's been there a couple of times and he loves the city, but, um, you know, touching history will always mean that you need uh, people who are closer to it. And I think, you know, for us, we're not. Uh, we like New Orleans quite a bit. I think the French Quarter is a place that, you know, holds a strong resonance in our heart, especially since we started Reverie Studios because we went to an event in New Orleans and saw the potential of that. Um, but it, you know, also means that we need to, to do work in, in order to like really like make this this LARP, this event, you know, representative of the history. Um, you know, and where where we have opportunities, I think, you know, we've tried to to bring that in. Uh, we've worked with a, a local voodoo ile um, for for telling us, you know, because we, we do not mention voodoo at all in any of our documents because it's not our place, right? Um, we've we basically sort of said, okay, so we're going to talk to people who actually are, you know, uh, for, faithful, worshipful in, in that, you know, Mm-hmm. Um, faith tradition and, you know, say, you know, what do you, what is it that we need to do, you know, and started the conversation there. Um, and it's produced amazing results. I mean, we, mm-hmm. we really had some really cool stories that have emerged out of that. One of our events, which is this, um, you know, LARP that's happening before Saturnalia is on a steamboat. 
Uh, and uh, when we worked with the Voodoo LA, they're, they're doing a sort of performance and um, they basically wrote a lot of material, right? And they, they sort of contribute a lot of the sort of history and the, you know, ideas. Um, and, and that event would absolutely not be possible if we hadn't reached out to them and started working you know, directly with them. Um, so history, I mean, certainly we touch on it to an extent, uh, and a lot of it is informed through the lens of some of our consultants. Um, but we've tried to, you know, just sort of step back and say, you know, what's more interesting as, as far as like a, a story that people can read themselves into um, and then make it, a, you know, as broad and accessible as possible. So we're not going to say like, this is that. And, you know, <laughs> you know, we're prescribing to you like how sure. this, this experience should look like. Um, we've been trying to just, you know, emphasize like this is supposed to be fun, um, but there are some realities, you know, to New Orleans history. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I don't know if you have anything to add to that, Ken, but. Um. No, I mean, it's it's been somewhat pivotal. I think when we when we first had the idea, like, you know, Saturnalia, there, there's tons of materials on. So like we want to do like a Beast of Saturn type Roman throwback. But no, I mean, handling the city and 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 some of the history was something we definitely wanted to rely on others for. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, it's been, uh, I mean, it's been a great learning experience for us. We've learned a ton of content that we absolutely had no idea of prior to embarking on this project. So Yeah, I mean, I'm so glad you mentioned like the Voodoo stuff because like that's the first thing that my friend said. So I, I, went, I had um, lunch with a friend and you know, I'm, she's just getting into this stuff. Like she's just getting into geeky stuff and I'm sitting there going, oh man, this is great. I get to say everything. And I mentioned the LARP and I mentioned Saturnalia, New Orleans. And it's like, oh, Voodoo. And or voodoo, right? I, I call it the voodoo is more the more uh, accurate pronunciation. And she's like, oh, some voodoo stuff. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> and so it's like that becomes the one-to-one -one association. So I talk about a lot this a lot on my channel. In fact, my, yeah. half my channel is about this. Mm -hmm. It's about the avoidance stereotypes, right? Yeah. And you know, as much as you know, yes, they have voodoo. Yes, <laughs> that's not a thing that we can escape from. But like, if we lead with that, then the stereotypes come in. And yeah. it's like, now you've kind of colored the experience with the popular stereotype as opposed to what voodoo really is, which is, as you said before, a faith tradition, mm -hmm. a spirituality, a way of seeing the world as opposed to kind of like black magic and, you know, making yeah. you know, people hurt and everything like that. So, I mean, do you have to educate folks, you know, because you have what, I think it's sold like 200, 200 tickets or something like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, 60 more, but 60 more as we're recording this. So go ahead and check out Saturday yeah. Daily website. You know, there, there'll be a link in the show notes. Uh, so then does that process of education need to happen where you may be getting people coming in that are operating on the stereotype? Oh, I'm going to mm -hmm. do black magic in this adventure. And it's like, well, hold on a second. So how much, how, how does, how, is, how are you thinking about the process of educating uh, gamers? Yeah, um, you know, we're working on documentation for the event itself in terms of like like how to handle this type of material. Um, we are working with uh, a Voodoo Authentica, which is a, a shop, and it's like the only, I would say, somewhat legitimate shop in in, in the French Quarter that 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 does this. And they're going to be doing uh, as part of the actual event itself, like supplies. There's going to be drummers. There's going to be people that are like actually actively educating the participants as, as part of the event itself. Mm. Um, and then, you know, the hope is, uh, that, you know, that we, we've encouraged them to take the, the same tour process that we took before the event itself. We have, we have a number of things that we're opening up before the event. So as people like to learn more about like some of the elements we're bringing in, they can learn about it before the events. So we're encouraging people to like, Hey, like you should, here's a number of tours you should probably take one of these mm. you know we're doing uh the, the 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 place the main venue where we're running uh has has a history 
with slavery. So we're encouraged. So the, the people there, the curators there are absolutely going to talk about that for participants that are interested to walk through the site and, you know, and pay and, and actually kind of educate the participants about the history of the home. So like, we're really trying to make sure that, that everything we do like brings the participants in. And so it can be sensitively handled or, or, or the, the, or just don't, don't do it. Right. Like, I mean, honestly, that's the simple, that's, that's the easier statement. It's like, we want to provide a, a found, a firm foundation education, but that that's what it is. Right. And we don't want things to be handled insensitively. So. Mm-hmm. I mean, this it's so um, like you mentioned before about like slavery, like slavery and fun don't go together, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I, and yeah. that's part, and like, like in this slavery and class hierarchy and stereotypes, yeah. these things are not fun. So, I mean, like, I, I'm, I'm struggling how to ask this question. It's like the, basically I'll ask it like the straightforward. It's like, okay, the, um, in terms of like stepping in it, right? <laughs> in terms mm, of yeah. stepping in it, in, either in terms of like the mechanical experience or the storytelling or if a participant, you know, because it's an open form storytelling. So maybe a participant yeah. all of a sudden like comes up with something because they're operating off of their stuff. But it's like, woo, there's some stepping in it that's happening right there. Uh, so then I, I guess like it, like, you mentioned before, like you put in as many safeguards yep, as yep. possible, right? Yep. Uh, and so it's like, is it one of those things where, like, because we also want to deliver an authentic experience, right? So like, I mean, how do you negotiate? Because sometimes in the process of doing, th- of trying to encourage that authenticity, there's going to be a little stepping in it, mm, you know, yeah. like, because you don't want the experience to be quote unquote, like safe for work either. Yeah. You know, like you want there to be a little bit of an edge to us. I'm just wondering if there, you know, how do you like, is that in terms of, if I think about it, right. In terms of negotiating that, is that, is that something that you're negotiating? Like the authenticity part, but then the, the, the stepping in it part. Yeah. Um, one of our consent mechanics is directly around content in that, like, if you think you're embarking on edgy content, we give, we give people the, the ability as someone's talking to like throw out a hand signal to say like mm. is everybody okay with this or what's a, like a thumbs up it's like is everybody okay with this right and people can people can rate thumbs down like and and like the hope if someone throws a thumbs down you have to throttle off like that that's in the material of the game if it's an intense scene and somebody does that like it's it's done take take a step away take a breath and then participants also have the ability to uh cover their eyes that's indicative of like they're done. They're whatever this is, uh, they're done with it, you know, and 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 the and we encourage participants to bring them to ops. We have a quiet room. We'll have somebody there who is a mental health counselor. Like we we do bring in people to deal with intense content and try to give people the calibration necessary to handle that. Um yeah, mean, because it does get real. Like these can be very emotional experiences for people, uh, with with all forms of content, you know, and, and so. We try to make sure we do everything we can to put the participant safety first and have every mechanism available that if anything gets real, there's an immediate exit, no fault. You know, it's, it's, I mean, one of the rules is it's, it's, it's not about you, right? If somebody walks away from a scene, it's not about you, like you as a person, the person, it's about them and their experience and they're mm. okay to walk away. And there's no, you know, that's it. They're done. And that's okay. You continue with your experience. They're going to continue with their experience and that, and that's it. That's the end of it. Right. And so, but um, but yeah, we, we try to set that up ahead of time. That that that's one of the significant areas of workshop mechanics is is curating your own experience and 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 how you can calibrate content. Yeah, if you're uh, first anybody who's just listening to the podcast and not watching the video show, Ken is doing a variety of hand signals. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, I should explain that. <laughs> no, 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 no. The, the, yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's articulating like I mean, because you can like you can talk. 
with your hands. Like you give the thumbs up, the thumbs down, uh, hands over the face and like, you know, uh, the wavy hands and like our jazz hands. Yeah. Or, like like yeah. there's all sorts of ways in which, uh, you know, there's the acting and the performance that's going on. But then you you can also operate on this kind of meta level, I guess. Uh, yeah. Where it's like, okay, if I'm if the if the experience is going a certain way, then I have the right to opt out. Yeah, right. And at any time, 100%. and it's like yep. and that is not going to be judged. It is not going to be enforced. Oh, you're ruining my fun by you know like we, yeah. we all got to stick together and da, da 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 da. And which is something that a lot of gaming struggles with. You know, mm -hmm. not just uh, no um, role playing has very much struggled with. Oh, this is not cool right now like what's happening in front of the table right now you know in our hobby like this is not cool like we are so behind in our consent mechanics of like yeah. you know and and it sounds like larp has really thought a lot or, or like at least your community and this is not the first time hearing about this kind of thing it sounds like y'all thought a lot about the you know safety of the, of the participants and the blurry line between my magic bubble gaming life and how life experience is kind of like infusing that so yeah. I, I don't know if you have any other comments about that, but I just wanted to like shout out. It's like, wow, we yeah. like they, all of gaming needs stuff like this. Well, well, a lot of gaming learns from other gaming, you know, or learns from other spheres. I mean, <laughs> uh, my understanding, you know, I, I didn't invent a lot of the tools we use, you know, it just kind of like begins to circulate and permeate throughout the community. Um, you know, but I understand that a lot of this stuff comes from the king community where consent and calibration are very important, you know, and that is, you know, the overlap is you have some folks who started applying that, I think, to LARPs is my understanding from the historical side. And I said, you know, I'm already familiar with some of this stuff. We'll, we'll include it. Um, and then now, now we're all safer because of it, or at least, you know, it, a step in the right direction. I think, you know, mm -hmm. similarly for tabletop games. I mean, I've heard that there are, you know, sessions now where, you know, everybody has like a pre-session and you talk about like what's, what's going to go on and right. how it all is going to work, which I think right. is great, you know. Yeah. Uh, from the perspective of LARP, because I used to go to LARPs and I would show up, you know, for these conventions and, you know, it'd be like 7 p.m. and everybody would like show up and be like, now it's on, you know, and, and it'd be people from all over the place. You didn't know who they are or why they're there or what, how they play, you know, mm -hmm. are we all here for the same reason, <laughs> you right. know, right. And, yeah. and I often found it kind of a little bewildering because um, I was like, well, I don't know. I'll just try and find the, the person that I can talk to, you know, right. and, and then hope I have a good experience. But uh, when you have like a workshop, when you take time to kind of go through things, I think it really does help. I know it's a little bit of time and, you know, it's kind of boring maybe for some people to sit, you know, mm -hmm. and talk about things, but like, it's very important um, for yeah. tabletop, for board games, for LARP, whatever it is, you know, because once you build trust with people, then you can really like get in there, you know, and I think that's, right. that's important. I think that's such an important thing. It's like, it's not just about like safer work. It's not just about like, okay, now we're going to reduce down the children's games. Like when you have that trusted consent, then you could do gnarly stuff. Then you could really yeah. like hack and slash and, or whatever it is that the group that the community has consented to doing, you know, and it could be nasty. And I, and I want to put that message out there that like, you know, we're, we're talking about vampires over here. Like this isn't the, you know, Swiss Mary, whatever it is. Like if there's going to, there, there might be some vampire stuff going on. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's be and, fake blood. Absolutely. Yeah. There's definitely yeah. some fake blood and all that sort of fun stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and like, you know, romances and, oh, yeah. Uh, you know, like they, they, they what was that a uh, true blood or the, the Charlene Harris books or <laughs> all that, that whole things? Like, there's, I mean, we people have a feeling about those. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, if you notice that's all adult themed and, you know, like we can yep. do that as long as we put in the, I think I like to think of it as like, okay, I, I, I want us to, I want gamers, I want gamers to misbehave, but I want us to earn our misbehavior. You know, and I think there's a lot that that your community is doing 
that we can learn how to earn a misbehavior. Now, so there are people that don't want to, you know, they don't want to be there. They just want to do it. It's like, no, then you're not going to have a lot of people that you're going to do it with. Yeah. Because there's a yeah. lot of folks that, are, that have different lines. They're not, every, not everybody's the same lines. And even the people that think that like, oh, I, oh I'm accepting, they have lines too. They just mm-hmm. haven't, they haven't violated yet, but everybody has lines. So it's like the, putting in that legwork the, in the way you're describing it's so intentional. So like mechanisms, you know, that sounds really awesome. So I, I, the, the more I'm, the more I'm uh, talking about this and the more it's like, man, I wish I was not a three-year-old. <laughs> there's, Maybe there's one a, day. There's a really good uh, website called nordiclarp.org. Uh, and there's a lot of fantastic contributions there. And it's, you know, everything from player safety, you know, to just different ways you can conceptualize how you tell stories, right? It's really great resource and some brilliant people have written some stuff there. Um, so I just, you know, as a, as a brief shout out, like nordiclarp.org, um, you know, just read some articles and a lot of people spend time trying to navigate all sorts of different subjects. And I think it's really cool. So let's, I mean, uh, we're starting to kind of wrap up a little bit. I mean, yeah. Saturnalia. Uh, mm-hmm. is happening. Uh, it's happening in November. November, right? November 12th. Uh, yep. So, so there's still some tickets left. If you want to go to the website, once again, the, the website will be in the show notes. Is there any aspect of the uh, project that we haven't discussed that you would like to foreground at this time? I yeah, think Gary. I'm good. Gary, do you have anything? Uh, aspects of the project? Um, well, I mean, for me, so we, we don't get to see much of the, the LARP itself. Um, you know, as the organizers, you know, our experiences, uh, we're usually running around making sure everything's greased and works. And, you know, that's, that's important. Um, for me, I, I'm really excited about the second line. Uh, I mm. think this is going to be a really awesome opportunity for people. because um, you know, you, you get a, a brass band parade, uh, and everybody's dressed up in cool costumes. We're going to have some amazing photographers, um, you know, we're going to move through the French quarter and then end up uh, at our final location where we're going to have, you know, performers like, you know, sort of like dark carnival kind of performers. And, you know, just it's going to be an atmospheric experience. Mm-hmm. And I can't wait to just be there. Right. Because yeah. <laughs> I don't get to see much of it. This is the part I'm going to get to see. Uh, probably I'll get to see like the, the parade. I'll get to see folks, you know, in all their wonderful costumes and, you know, experiencing stories together in, in the you know final location. And, and for me, like, that's going to be the moment, all right? Just, just as an observer from the sidelines, like, this, oh, great. You know, this, I can't imagine how cool it's going to be. <laughs> and that was always their dreams. Like, how cool could it possibly be? Well, it's, you know, I mean, the Beauregard Kais house, which we're using, uh, will be featured in AMC's new interview with the vampire show. Mm. Um, so, you know, we're, we're, we picked some very cool locations, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and actually, um, to just take a little bit of a step back in terms of the the, the second line, and you know, mm-hmm. um, you can talk about a little about culture appropriation, right? You know, uh, and worrying about that. But what I'll say uh, is, and because I've talked about a lot of my show, I'm a cultural, I'm a cultural yeah. myself, so mm-hmm. uh, that's kind of my main one of my main things is, you know, I think there's a instinct to be like, okay, you're, it's not yours, don't, you know, it, like hands off, and it's like for me. As long as the people, as long as you partner properly, as long as those people are profiting, mm-hmm. you know, they're not just like, you're not just like taking their stuff and like, you're taking all the profits. Like, obviously I'm assuming that there's a business relationship. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Oh no. Everyone's everyone gets paid. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah every, everyone gets paid and it's, and everyone gets paid. Everyone gets credited. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's like, you know, we're like, there's the, and that's where, that's where the appropriation is. I think people want to talk about appropriation. Like, okay, well, are you saying don't borrow? It's like, well, no borrow, 
but in a way that there's mutual benefit that they that they there's prop the whatever profits are made they share in and they have consent and they you know they they're able to craft the experience on their own so it's not like you're you're not telling them okay this is what our uh people need like this is what our community wants like just give us that they're like okay no uh do your thing you know we're here to experience you doing your thing so as i i imagine ken that's that's how you approach this like okay we just want you to do your thing 100%. I mean, we look for co-creators, right? Like the whole, the whole part of this is us finding great partners to work with. I mean, you know, and, and, you know, we are, we are in a lot of ways, just facilitating a great experience, both in terms of our characters, but also like our entertainers and the people we bring into the project, because we want them to, to feel ownership of it too. Right. We want them. I mean, that, that's, that's the simple truth is, is, you know, I, uh, we're not a very prescriptive studio and we know about game design, but like for the areas that we, we don't know about, we, we love working with people that know more than us. So, mm -hmm. uh, because it just, it, it lends itself to making a really, truly remarkable event when you can bring in like, like a lot of different viewpoints and, and perspectives. So. Absolutely. All right. I, I, I have answered all right. my questions. It's been, it's, it's been real guys. Uh, so we're talking November, we're talking, uh, going on the, the reverie at the reverie website. Yeah, I well, uh, this this the vampirelarp.com is the website for the event itself and reverie.studio is our website. Mm. We have discords for both. We love questions, so if people have questions, they're linked in, in both of those sites. So we're more than happy to answer any any questions on topics that come up or people are interested or whatever. So does LARPing happen in Discord? Is that just that do you have like channels for that? Does it, <laughs> they just kind of like pop off it or can. is it more? Okay. It can in the pandemic, let me tell you. It uh -huh. can absolutely in the pandemic. <laughs> uh, but yeah, our, pre our preference is physical LARPing. But yes, right. I mean, during COVID, we definitely <laughs> did yeah. some Discord LARP. So yeah. I've heard some people utilizing virtual reality and that kind of thing. Yeah. But oh. yeah, they hopped into the, the metaverse. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> maybe not that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Nothing along those lines. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I want to go visit the metaverse and LARP, but you know, yeah, right. uh, it can happen. Um, but yeah, I, and I, and again, I just want to iterate, like LARP is, LARP is amazing. And, you know, I hope some people try it. They might have, you know, considered it and thought it might be interesting. Um, you know, we're, we're, like Ken said, we're always available. We love talking to people. Um, we're tra transparent design studios. So anybody who ever has any questions, you know, say, this is how we do it. Um, you know, we, we <laughs> really kind of enjoyed having conversations with people and it's really opened our eyes in a lot of ways when somebody's approached us with a question. So. And I have absolutely enjoyed this conversation. I learned a lot. Thank you guys so much for stopping by the show. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having appreciate us. It. Yeah, appreciate it. If you can change your mind, you can change the world, people. So until next time, later, everybody. Thanks for joining us again for the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. Check out our YouTube channel at One Stop Co-op Shop. Also, join us for games and discussion on our Discord channel. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash one stop or leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks again and we'll see you next week for another top five list.